0: Welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my extraordinary friend,
2: Serena Louth. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from around the kitchen table. Each week, we have a brilliant new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe which is created using our guest's three favorite ingredients –
0: Today's guest is someone pretty special and someone who I am constantly in awe of. She does such incredible work and I honestly don't know how she does it all. And it is my wonderful friend, Serena Louth. Serena is a confidence coach, holistic therapist, kitchen club co-host, oh yeah, and very soon to be a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist. She supports women in reconnecting with themselves, rediscovering their innate self-worth and learning to prioritise their needs so that they can feel empowered, energised and deeply abundant. And it's so exciting that I get to now interview Serena because she is a wonderful
2: woman. Thank you very much. So without further ado, here I am on Kitchen Club.
1: (laughs)
0: Hello, Serena Louth, and welcome to your very own
2: podcast, Catching Club. Hello, Sarah Malcolm. It's very nice to be here. It's a bit surreal. It feels a bit strange. It does, doesn't it? But mm-hmm. I like it. I really like this. Well, we'll see. I'll tell you if I like it in an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we were both—we're um, sadly not together today, but we were both messaging each other, like, "Oh, got to, got to have five more minutes because." made a coffee can't sit down without a coffee
2: always can never record without a coffee what are Mm -hmm.
0: we drinking smeltsy we are drinking exhale coffee who have been recent sponsors of the podcast um and it's absolutely delicious
2: we were just talking about the tasting notes weren't we oat and bramley apple and toffee it is bloody delicious i was just laughing with my husband though because i've been feeling a bit tired all week and i've just realized that i've been drinking decaf all week and i literally never drink decaf uh so i think that might be why (laughs) but just but it's delicious delicious. yeah it is that's the point it's so delicious i didn't even realize
0: yeah absolutely
2: well serena
0: Shall we dive straight in?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I know how it all goes. So <laughs> And would you like to tell us your three favourite ingredients? I would. So I really struggled with this because I am a bit of a greedy little piggy and guessing it down to three was quite hard for me. So I, I did actually send you a list of about eight, but we, we've narrowed <laughs> it down to borlotti beans, tender yes. stem broccoli and basil. But I also said pine nuts and lemon zest and... Maybe I said halloumi and tahini, but I feel like we've had those a lot. So we we sidestepped those. Mm.
0: Mm. Great ingredients. I have to say that I hadn't tried bolotti beans until the recipe.
2: I love beans of all sorts. And I have so many friends who complain when they come to my house because I fill them up with lentils and beans and they text me saying that they've been farting for days. <laughs> but I seem to have an iron stomach and they don't bother me. I bloody love them. I eat beans every single day and they're my favorite. And bolotti beans are my favorite. Why,
0: why the bolotti in particular, can I ask? Because they're kind of like I butter don't... beans, aren't they? But like darker.
2: They are little brown beans. I, I do. I love borlotti beans and I love black beans. Bolotti, um I mean, butter beans, but I feel like we've done them a couple of times for other people. So I was trying to be different. Borlotti beans, I don't really know why I love them so much. Maybe I just like, like to be a little bit different. And I thought that it was boring to choose what someone else had chose. I'm a little bit allergic to kidney beans. Apparently I found are out you? a few years ago.
0: That's I had, interesting. Um,
2: like a nutrition profile thing, and I'm I'm not allergic to anything apart from like five percent allergic to kidney beans, which I think That's so is random, a bit niche. That is very niche. The bean queen
0: over them. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, shall we talk about what recipe we slash mostly you have created for yourself? <laughs> this was meant to be like right, Sarah. I'll do your recipe for your ingredients. That's Serena saying it. And yeah, I was supposed to do Serena's recipe, but she is more of a recipe queen than me. So for you, Serena, you have made <laughs> <laughs> nudie with basil, crispy buttery sage, broccoli, and borlotti beans with some lemon zest and parmesan. Mm. Can you tell us what nudie is, please, and what called you to this recipe?
2: So nudie is I hope we're pronouncing it right. I'm pretty sure it's Nudi. There's a silent G at the beginning. Um, and firstly, it's just a super fun name. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like uh, gnocchi, but instead of having mashed potato in it, you use ricotta. So it's like ricotta, egg, a tiny bit of flour. You can put some grated Parmesan in it, which is nice. I think it's also sometimes called malfatti. Oh, but I think malfatti is when it has all the spinach inside. Sounds like malfatty. Um, Love them. <laughs> so it, yeah, they're basically like little delicious pillowy ricotta dumplings which you then fry in butter and I think traditionally you eat them quite plain, just with butter and some pine nuts and some sage or something, but obviously we went all out and covered them in veg and beans and lemon zest and they're just bloody delicious. So delicious. So
0: delicious. I love gnocchi anyway. So a nudie was was a great alternative. And
2: super easy to make. Super easy. And I think looks quite fancy. I have a friend who often does it when she has people for dinner because it's so quick, but it looks like you've really made an effort, which is yeah. quite nice. We had, um I went for dinner with a friend in Borough Market the other day. I think the restaurant's called Elliot's and they have the most insane nudie, which are with pine nuts and brown butter and currants. And Ooh. they are literally like little pillows. They Those ones kind of had the texture of like a marshmallow. They are, oh, to die for.
0: Divine. And crispy sage as well in this recipe, I think, ah, makes it turns it. That it's was something your else.
2: idea. Crispy sage is the best. It really it's is so isn't it? yummy. And I have a big, big sage bush in my garden, so I should have sent you home with loads.
0: Actually, yeah, I've just killed my sage, so I would have I would have really appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> and crispy sage is my. This this is not a podcast about me, Serena. It's about you. But is piers's my partner's favorite thing
2: ever? Is it? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, when you guys next come for dinner, we'll make you some crispy sage nudie, nudie pears.
0: I recently saw a recipe and actually it was, yeah, it was on the menu that we went out for dinner. The place we went to dinner the other night Mm -hmm. was nurseries. They had anchovy and crispy sage, like all in one. And I've been Mm. seeing it a lot lately and I'm very keen to try it. It's so delicious. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, let's talk about food, Serena, because you are and in my head always have been quite the foodie and being in your presence when you're cooking is kind of like what I imagine if you're like sitting in a witch's cauldron like you know (laughs) sitting and watching a witch do some magic you just kind of like you get on with everything and I'll kind of turn my back and look around and you've made like loads of stuff. How has she done that? So quickly. I haven't even acknowledged that you've done it. Um, so it really feels like second nature to you and just comes really, really naturally. Have you always loved cooking? And have you always kind of felt at home in, in the kitchen and where do you think your excitement and ease in the kitchen has, has come from if that's the case?
2: I love that. I love you saying it's like a witch. That's so funny. Um I come from a very foodie family. I hate saying foodie. It sounds a bit wanky, doesn't it? Okay. Um Okay, I come from a very greedy family and we <laughs> all just bloody love good food. And my mum growing up was a brilliant cook but very like very just like traditional, homey roasts, lasagnas, all the good stuff. Mm. And both of my sisters, I've got two older sisters, and they both did Leith's cooking course when they were young. So, like, growing up, they just loved cooking. They would always cook the most incredible things. And I guess I never really did cook because they always were. Uh, but I think it, it must have inspired me. Like, I i loved Watching them, and I I can remember so clearly some of the first things I ever made. Like, I remember watching a cooking program and saying to my mum, I want to make you a beef stroganoff. And she was like, What the (laughs) fuck? Why do you want to make a beef stroganoff? But it was because I'd seen it. And I remember making an egg curry and thinking that was like so cool. And I remember when I learned to make risotto. And I've completely lost track of the question now. Yes, I have always loved it. And I think for. For me it's it's I know you always say this as well we love that food brings people together and my household was super traditional that like every dinner we all sat down together without fail and i think that my love of food comes from that that you know it's the one time you all sit down and really chat to each other mm. and 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 yeah we're just greedy And love cooking and love the kind of experimentation of it. I I was never traditionally creative in that. I was never very good at painting. I was never very good at music. And I think maybe cooking for me was my way of exploring creativity.
0: Yeah, I can second that as well. Mm. Do you think I love that your first recipe that you want to make your mom was beef stroganoff, like the most unserene allowed <laughs> laugh recipe in the entire Creamy, world? Creamy,
2: beefy, like
0: what? <laughs> I know. Do you did things change for you when you started to cook veggie? Yeah,
2: I think I think when I kind of started exploring the health world, like again, I know you say that that was really your kind of main intro into getting into recipe development and stuff. And I think that changed things for me because whilst I was cooking meat, I could never, I guess, compete with my family because my sisters were such good cooks. Mm. And I think once I started cooking veggie, that was like my way in to do my thing and show that, you know, I also could do it. And, and it made me really interested in different ingredients and things.
0: Um, is it hard to change to veggie? How did you feel about changing to veggie? Oh, no. Wise?
2: I think I loved it. I like, I was never really interested in cooking meat. I was never, I, I still now, like if you made me cook a chicken for someone, I don't know how long to cook it for that. That was never really my jam.
0: Yeah. Which is so interesting, isn't it? Cause most people would find meat like an easy, an easy thing to do. You
2: know, because yeah, you're right. A lot of people really struggle. Like, if they have a veggie coming for dinner, they're like, "Shit, what do I cook?" And for me, I'm like, "That's so obvious." How do you cook yeah. a piece of meat?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, <laughs> it does really come naturally to you. I think it, it is quite Thank wonderful you. to see. What would you say is your favorite? Two questions actually. What's your favorite thing to cook at home for mm-hmm. you and Bass, or to, or if you have friends coming over? And then, what is your favorite thing? Because you've obviously a lot of your foodie life foodie career has been cooking on retreats and for, well, you created the recipes for Deliciousiella for a few years. Um, Yeah. So what was your favorite thing to cook on retreat? Because I've experienced retreat food and oh my gosh, so divine. (laughs) Um,
2: Oh, thank you. Oh my God. It's such a hard question. What's my favorite thing to cook at home? I mean... Obviously, like busy work week, we do a lot of the standard dal and pasta and stir fries mm. and curries. I think the thing that I've been doing recently and really loving, and especially through lockdown, was trying to cook at least one new thing every week. Because I'm, I'm really guilty of like buying beautiful cookbooks, having a flick through, and then they kind of go on the shelf and that's that. And yeah. it's awful because they're full of amazing things. So recently, I've been trying to do at least one new recipe per week. One of the things I'm obsessed with in Ottolenghi's new book, Flavor, there's this amazing cannellini bean mash with um, garlic aioli, where yeah. you like, you have to soak the beans and you slow cook them and you confit the garlic in the oil and then you blend half of them and you mix half of them with dill and chili and it's just delicious. So that's one of my favorite things at the moment, but it's quite time consuming. Mm. So I quite like having things like that on the weekend when I can really... Experiment with it, um, and on retreat. I mean, retreats are very like summer salads. And actually, this is my favorite. I bloody love aubergine parmigiana. Mm. and I love doing that on retreat. And I have this amazing friend Georgie who used to always help me on the retreats, and we're a bit of a a, a kind of codependent team. Like I could not have done it without her because you kind of get cabin fever when you're working on a retreat. You're like stuck in the kitchen all day. You have this one brief trip to the market. Um, but we would just be in the kitchen singing all day, chopping, chopping, chopping. And we used to make, if I may say to so myself, a very good aubergine parmesan with homemade oh. garlic bread, garlicky greens. Oh. And that was amazing. Did you make that in she, France? I think you did, didn't you? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. But she she was like my rock. I couldn't have done it without her. And the way you said, like, it's kind of like magic is happening. It all just happens without you looking. Me and Georgie have this amazing way of cooking together where we don't really communicate. We just sort of uh, uh, merge and weave around each other. And suddenly we're like, hey, it's done. And yeah. we're, we're very in sync when we're cooking, which is very cool. How lovely is that? yeah she's a very Um, old friend of mine so I think that's why we've got a deep bond
0: hello Prowsey, if you're listening Mm
2: -hmm. um what would you say Serena
0: to people who say oh I I'm just a terrible cook I can't cook do you have any tips for
1: for people who say that
2: I don't really believe that anybody can't cook Mm. I think that And not just for cooking, like in life in general, I think if you want to do something badly enough, you can do it. You can literally do anything you put your mind to, um, which is probably why I do what I do for work now. But in terms of cooking, I would just say, start simple, follow a recipe. My husband is very good if he follows a recipe, he can cook lovely things. But if you just put him in front of a fridge full of ingredients, he's like, "Uh, do you want an omelette? Yeah. So... I think if you follow a recipe and follow an easy recipe to start with, you really can't go too wrong. Just get really, um, get really confident following recipes and then allow yourself to be a bit more creative with it. I also, I know they're not very sustainable because there's a lot of packaging, but I do think that all of the meal kits out there are very, very good for people who want to cook home cooked food, but don't really know where to start. Yeah,
0: definitely. I agree, and there's things that you you would never think of making in a mm. in a meal kit or, yeah, you're like, oh, this is so such a nice change or wow, I, I've never had this ingredient, never tried this vegetable or, you know, something that's been in my cupboard for ages that I've never thought how to use it.
2: Yeah, yeah completely. Definitely that's why I love a veg box though because I think otherwise you just go to the supermarket and you buy the same four vegetables on repeat whereas if you get a veg box you you kind of have to learn new things with what you get sent so I think that's quite cool favorite veg box Riverford Mm -hmm. I'm a veg box snob I had odd (laughs) box for ages and odd box are brilliant but I just can't get through that many potatoes and onions
0: yeah fair Fair. (laughs) um Serena let's now talk about your work Okay. and what you do um you are someone and I don't know if I've really come across as many people but you have such a thirst for knowledge you are always training you are always you know thinking of the next thing like ah oh, I've, okay I've done that kind of like yeah mastered that how can I better myself and keep learning keep growing um and it is just truly inspiring. I mean, you've done your yoga training, many, many yoga trainings, yoga teacher trainings. You've done your reflexology. Um, you're about to do acupuncture, but sadly the pandemic scrapped that. Your coaching, you've done your Reiki, and you are almost <laughs> finished with hypnotherapy. Um, I'm also probably missing loads, so sorry. You've literally been like, yeah, so I've actually done a hundred crosses. No. Um, <laughs> So, you've had kind of so many directional shifts, but I feel like they've all kind of been on a path to kind of get you where you are today. So, please, may you tell us about your work now and how you kind of weaved your way into into doing what you do now?
2: Go. (laughs) Go. So, I guess with the like continual training thing, I do feel very strongly that for somebody working in the quote unquote, personal development field, it's really important to to be continually learning and growing yourself. I don't think I would ever really trust a therapist or a coach who wasn't in therapy or training themselves because this idea that like, I've reached my peak, this is as good as it gets mm. is is not right. I think that there's no ceiling to how much we can learn and grow. And so if you want to be teaching and inspiring others to do the same you need to be doing that for yourself and I think that's really nice that you said I have a thirst for knowledge I love that I think I used to be quite academic like I am I'm a bit of a geek basically I got an academic scholarship um and when I was little I was very very academically driven and I think you know as a teenager it's not super cool to be clever boys come into the mix, parties come into the mix. And suddenly there's way more exciting things you could be doing. And as I become an adult, finally, I, (laughs) and I suddenly have the freedom to, to learn in the areas that really interest me. I've just like totally regained that, that want for knowledge, um, which is really fun. And it's really cool to enjoy learning about things. I mean, again, you know, like you love doing different trainings in yoga and stuff and I think when at school you're forced to do subjects that don't massively interest you, your your enthusiasm wavers. Whereas when you can choose exactly what you want to study, you have this whole new energy for it. Yeah. So yes, I have done lots of different things, and there's been various reasons why things haven't worked out. I taught yoga for like four or five years, and then bugged my wrist. Um, So that. That went down the drain. Uh, but it's reflex- almost, sorry to butt in on you. Yeah, no, go. But that was almost
0: like that needed to happen in order for you to be where you are now. Sorry, butting in. Oh No,
2: you're completely right. You're completely right. I, I am very grateful for all the things that haven't worked out because I don't think I would ever have ended up here if those things hadn't have happened. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, sounding woo-woo with it, I think it is all about trusting the process and knowing that, you know, you're going to end up in the right place and done all sorts of jobs along the way that have not been right for me, but they've all led me to here. So it's all been good. It's all been right. Um, so I am now coaching and, and this is, this feel like, this is it. This feels so good to me. This feels so right. This feels like exactly where I'm meant to be. But as I said, I would never have kind of got here if I had gone straight here. But yeah. I think that the path was meant to be wiggly, otherwise it wouldn't have got here. And now I just find my work so fulfilling, so energizing, so much fun, which mm. is such a privilege to be able to say when I know so many people drag themselves through the day watching the clock. And I've definitely done jobs where I've done that, been sat there counting down the minutes until 5pm. And Now I could not feel less like that, which is really, really special.
1: Mm.
0: On your website, it says, empowering you to believe in yourself enough to follow your dreams. And it's such like a beautiful and powerful statement. Please, may you speak on that a little bit?
2: Sounds a little bit cheesy when you say no, it, it does for me. No, it doesn't. I say it again, empowering you to believe in yourself
0: enough to follow your dreams. It's so important.
2: Belief, self- No, you're right. You're right. And it is so important and it, it it is at the heart of everything that I do. I think for me I I could have got to where I am a lot quicker if only I had had the confidence in my abilities, if I had believed in myself. Um, and it's something that I see time and time again in the women that I work with, that they have this vision, they have these goals, they know where they want to get to. But society, their families, their friends, everyone has just filled them with self-doubt. And so they don't do it. <laughs> And my biggest fear, I think my biggest driving force was this, this fear that I was going to wake up aged 50, 60, and look back on my life and be like, Hmm, was that, was that it? Was that, that was my one shot. Uh, because that was fine and it was nice, but it wasn't fireworks. And of course it doesn't need to be fireworks every day, but I I think that we can bumble along quite happily. We can bumble along in a safe career. We can bumble along in an okay relationship. We can bumble along being averagely nice to ourselves. And yeah, you'll have a pretty nice life. But until you take charge of what's going on, until you take control of how you feel and you start making decisions that propel you in the direction of the life that you want to create, you're not going to have the best possible experience that you have here on earth. And I, as a lot of people will know, had a lot of trouble with my mental health in the past. I had clinical depression and anxiety for many, many years. And I think that probably showed me that life wasn't to be taken for granted, that, Mm. you know, to bumble through and have an average time here was not what I wanted to do. Because once I overcame those hurdles and, and started to really enjoy myself and really like myself and accept myself, I realized that there was so much more here that we could experience that we could enjoy. But really we're the only ones who are standing in our way. We're the only ones who are stopping ourselves from having that. Mm. Yeah.
0: So agree. What do you think, what do most women, and I know you do work with predominantly women, what do most women come to you wanting?
2: To be honest, I think a lot of them probably don't know what they want. I think they just know what they don't want. Yeah. I think they know that they are tired of people pleasing. They are tired of not believing in themselves. They're tired of having this bitchy, critical voice in their head that tells them they're not good enough. And I think for a lot of people, when they're so bogged down in that, it's it's very hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're not quite sure what's at the end. They mm. just know that they cannot keep going where they are. Mm. And it gives you, you know, all of those like cheesy metaphors, like no mud, no lotus. But it's true. Until you have experienced that, you might not have the drive to reach for what it is that you want. Yeah. I think a big part of what I do do, though, is helping them get clear on what they want. Because I think that... It, it's a better motivator to be working towards something than to be running away from something else. I think if you really need a kick up the butt and you need something to propel you forwards, having a really clear vision and a really clear why for wanting to change is absolutely vital.
0: Yeah. Intention led. Absolutely. So I know you work, you work individually with your clients and then you also have your amazing group group uh what do you call them group groups yeah <laughs> groups. Group, pro- group programs maybe yeah yeah and how do they no I'm not gonna ask that I'm gonna say <laughs> what is the beauty slash difference in joining a group or what do you think the power is in joining a group rather than doing things individually kind of where does where do both sit and what are the The pros to both.
2: Mm -hmm. No, it's a great question because there there are so many positives to both, but it's a totally different experience. And for me, groups were something personally to be avoided at all costs. I had some group therapy at the very start of my depression, um, well, at the start of my treatment for my depression, and I had a very bad experience in a group where I ended up having a panic attack. I I won't go into details, but it it was, it was really, really horrid. Uh, so for a long time, no groups for me, I would not speak in front of people. I would not open up in front of people. Um, and so I guess maybe, maybe subconsciously part of me running groups was a way of healing that a way of addressing Mm. my own discomfort at being in a group. But I, I mean, God, there's so many reasons why groups are powerful. I think firstly, struggles internal struggles can feel very isolating and to share in a group and to hear that other people are feeling the same as you is the first step to making you feel better because the minute you realize you're not alone you are normal what you're feeling is not weird or strange there's so much freedom in that I think especially as women there is the aspect that you know, in, in part in the past, in history, women always gathered in group, they gathered in circle to share, to hold space for each other, to support each other. And we've kind of lost that over time. I don't think that going to the pub with your girlfriends and smashing a few bottles of wine is quite the same. Of course, I think that is important. And I think that that's great and, and, and very valuable, but I think to be in a really held space with women is very, very healing Um, with the work that I do, when a lot of it's about confidence, I also think there's the element of providing a safe space for people in which to grow their confidence, Mm. which you might not get from one-on-one because there really is no, no nicer place, no safer place, no more welcoming place to work on your confidence than within a group of people who are facing the same problems that you're facing. And you know that there is no judgment that you can say whatever you want, um, so that's very valuable. And I just had something else on the tip of my tongue. What was it? Oh, and connection. You know, we these days with technology, we're more connected than ever, phys- like physically, but I think emotionally we're less connected than ever. Yeah. And being in a group, you meet people who you would never meet because it's on Zoom, they can be anywhere in the world. So you'd never have met them otherwise but regardless of what struggles people are facing and i do work with people of all different ages i have women in their late 40s i have young mums i have very busy girls who work in the city i have self employed people i have some uni students and regardless of of what their individual challenges are the emotion and the feeling at the heart of it always tends to be pretty similar and it gives you this connection with people from different walks of life in different countries in of different ages, it gives you a point of connection with them. And ultimately, that's what we're here for. You know, I don't don't think that any man is an island and that we weren't meant to to tread this path alone. We're like we're we're tribal, we're pack animals. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people find that the things that they're able to talk about in group is totally different to what they're able to talk about with their friends. Whether that's, you know, having, having the bravery to be vulnerable or if their friends aren't into the same sort of things, if they're worried, they might feel silly. And the friendships that come out of my group programs are so, so special. Loads of them still stay in touch. Years later, they still meet up and go to like, go to yoga together or whatever. Um, but I really think that that is one of the most, most valuable things of a group program is the people you meet, the connections you make and the community that's created. Mm. It's so easy, isn't it? When
0: you are in a space where you don't feel confident or you're feeling a little lost, out of, off track, off-kelter, then your life becomes very kind of me, 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 I, I, I. Because you're like, this is only happening to me no Mm -hmm. one else and I guess with social media you know you go on Instagram you're like everyone else is having a lovely time what so yeah when you step into a group where you can be vulnerable suddenly you're like wow this isn't as you saying this isn't just me this is bigger that I am a human and I'm reflected all over the world
2: yeah and loneliness is a problem these days loneliness Mm. like has physical repercussions. I think it's really bad for your health, and we know now that it's more of a problem than it's ever been. So anything we can do to combat loneliness and make people feel connected is really important. Yeah. And then, but now I'm making it sound like working with people one-to-one is rubbish. (laughs) One to Like groups, not for everyone. Some people just don't feel comfortable speaking in front of others and that's okay. And that's completely fine. I think the beauty of one-to-one is that, you know, it's totally personalized to you with group because there's a few people in there. We have to follow a bit of a set formula. There's less time to dive into each person's individual struggles. Whereas one-to-one is like, totally de- dedicated bespoke tailored to you um and with my one to one work with clients i also provide ongoing support between sessions so it's kind of like having someone holding your hand the whole time the minute you have a problem you can reach out you can get in touch you can speak to me um so yeah it's a very different experience
1: mm. and
2: actually while we're talking about that i am when will this come out i am opening up a couple of spaces for one-to-one over the next few weeks so if anybody is interested in that then send me a dm on instagram and we can chat about it amazing um
0: serena i love how you name your courses and i just wanted to know a little bit behind that so you have a group course group program called thrive and then the other called ignite right Mm -hmm. how do they differ um I just, I mean, I mean, whenever I think of the word thrive, I think of you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Survive. What, what's your thing? I'm from survive to thrive. What do you say? I was
2: <laughs> so sure on the thrive uh, thing, and I was like, "Wait, what does she actually say?" <laughs> no, it's just called thrive. And actually, there's, I'm doing awaken at the moment as well. So it's like ignite is like an entry level course for anybody who wants to start building self-awareness, who wants to start taking control of how they're feeling, who wants to start making some really positive practical changes in their days. And within that, there's a daily ritual or a daily practice so that you can get used to prioritizing yourself, get used to spending time on yourself. Awaken is then my next course, which is all about stress and anxiety and confidence, which we know anxiety is like the biggest problem at the moment. Everyone I speak to is suffering with anxiety to some extent. Mm. Um, and that makes me really, really sad, but it, it also really spurs me on to help people with it because I think it, it can be avoided and it can be really helped and minimized, Um, so that is a six week course where we work with stress. We work with relaxation. We work with self-talk and anxiety and looking at how we can detach from our anxiety rather than jumping on everything that your monkey mind throws up at you. And then confidence, because again, it's, it's such a common thing that people are struggling with. People don't feel capable of saying no when they need to. People don't feel, that they can go after what they want in their lives because they don't have this self-belief. And I think it's really important to say that confidence doesn't need to be loud and showy. Confidence doesn't mean that you have to be dancing on your bikini and Instagram reels and stuff. Mm -hmm. Confidence for me is like a calm, quiet knowing yeah a sense of peace and ease with yourself knowing that you're on the right track that it's all panning out exactly as it should and and that you're supported and that you have the resources within you to to be able to get you where you want to go mm, like a grounded feeling exactly yeah mm. and then thrive is thrives like my baby i'm obsessed with thrive <laughs> thrives an 8 week group which covers what i think are the foundations of of real self acceptance real happy happiness real real purpose so we do a lot of things about authenticity and vulnerability making sure that everything in your life feels super aligned looking at how you're talking to yourself and making sure that you are able to support yourself in a way that is kind in a way that's compassionate in a way that's non-judgmental looking at self-worth and reconnecting you to that innate feeling that you deserve to be here, that you're right where you need to be and that you, you're you worthy of going after your dreams. Um, boundaries, boundaries are a huge one. Everybody people pleases these days. And setting boundaries. You told someone the other day I was the queen of boundaries. You and that was really like the proudest are. moment of my
0: life. Serena <laughs> is queen of boundaries. I'm always like, <laughs> right, she do what Serena does. Okay. Yeah. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries.
2: Because having no boundaries is the quickest way to burn yourself out and to diminish your feelings of self-worth. If you just do what everybody else asks you to do, if you don't take any responsibility for your time, your your energy um, then it's no wonder that you're not feeling empowered. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, without giving you the whole syllabus, that's, <laughs> that's the sort of things that we go through and thrive and thrive. As I say, it's, it's, it feels strong to say it's my life's work, but it's, um, it's, it's all the most important lessons that I've learned throughout my journey packaged into eight weeks, because ultimately, the stuff that I have learned has been incredible, but it's taken me a bloody long time. Yeah. Thrive is the course that I wish had been available for me when I was struggling the most. Mm. Mm.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I now would like to speak to you about your newest venture, and I'm sure this will weave into all of your brilliant coaching as well, which is hypnotherapy. And I don't know that much about hypnotherapy. It just kind of makes me think of, um, like Darren Brown and stuff. (laughs) I'm actually a magician. (laughs) So please may you tell us what it, what it is, um, and what kind of drew it to you in a way that you were like, yeah, I want to, you know, add this into my, into my toolkit of how I can help people. And where do you see it kind of going within your, within your coaching?
2: It's funny, isn't it? Being a guest on a podcast, I feel like I'm doing all the talking, and it's quite weird chatting to you and <laughs> feeling like I'm doing all the talking. But here we no, go. You're, this you're is asking, all about you. So keep going. I know, but it's so strange. So, hypnotherapy, to be totally honest, was not my plan. I had planned this year to train in psychosexual somatic therapy. And thank you, COVID, my training got cancelled. Um, but again, it's one of those things that I really believe has, has happened exactly as it was meant to. And now that I've done this, I know that this was the right thing and it fits so perfectly with everything I was doing. It, it really complements my work in the most incredible way. So I am so excited about it and I can't wait to get working with clients. Hypnotherapy is basically a way of working with people's minds, with their psychology to help them think more positively, to evoke positive emotions, to change their their beliefs. A lot of us are being held back by these really, really deep-rooted limiting beliefs. And to change the way that we're behaving, like our, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our actions are all so linked. And hypnotherapy is a way of, I guess, infiltrating that cycle to change how you're feeling, to change how you're acting and to change how you're showing up in your life. And it sounds super complicated, but effectively most of it is just getting you into a really relaxed state and then working with your mind, using your imagination, using really positive suggestions, kind of like affirmations. And I think this is why I love it so much because I'm a big believer in affirmations and hypnotherapy is effectively using affirmations to improve the way that you're thinking to change the way that you're thinking for the better and it's funny that you mentioned stage hypnosis because since i've been training it's all anyone asks me like are you gonna wave a pendulum in my face look into my eyes look into my eyes um and it's not like that at all you know with stage hypnosis, people get made to do funny things. And actually under hypnosis, you can't be made to do anything you don't want to do. You won't be out of control. You, you're, you're completely with it. You may feel very relaxed. You may feel a bit dreamy, but you're not going to take on board anything that I say that you don't want to take on board. So I can't make you think things you don't want to think. I can't make you do things you don't want to do. Wanting it to work is a big part of hypnotherapy mm. being effective. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's important to say that that it, it's not the same as stage hypnosis, and a lot of those stage hypnosis things are quite not quite rigged or or done in a certain way to kind of maximize the way it looks so yeah. that it's a good show. It's theatre, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think I was drawn to hypnotherapy because I'm fascinated by the mind, obviously the way we talk to ourselves, the way we see things, the way we behave. And I think that hypnotherapy just takes it that level deeper than what I'm already doing. The work I'm doing, I adore, and I've had some incredible results with people and and I really believe in it. But hypnotherapy is, it's kind of magic. I am making myself sound like a witch now, but it is (laughs) kind of magic. It, you know, the way that people can have hypnotherapy to stop smoking and after a two hour session, they never smoke again. That is magic. And with so many things, I think it doesn't even need to be explained that much. If you believe it and it works, like- great. Mm. I'm a huge believer in the placebo effect, And I'm not saying hypnotherapy is placebo, but I I do think with so many of these things, wanting it to work, believing it works and really trusting in the process, the the mind is so fucking powerful. And that excites me. I think for me, learning about that and getting into that is, is the most fascinating thing possible. And I won't bore you with the science and the way it all works I'll just tell you that it does because that's all you need to know. Mm. So powerful. And I think, um,
0: you kindly sent me when you were doing your training, your hypnotherapy for sleep, which I still haven't done. <laughs> 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 but I think that's also like such a huge weigh in for loads of people to, because mm. it is just tr- the mind playing tricks on you and the conversations you tell yourself, which is usually why we can't sleep and why that we fall into those patterns,
1: mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. And how do you see it all working with within your coaching at the moment? You will just offer that to your to your clients.
2: Yeah, I think to begin with, I I need to suss it out a bit. When I qualify at the end of August, uh, at the end of July, I'm going to be offering some straight hypnotherapy sessions, um which I have a waitlist for. So if anybody is interested, then definitely do send me an email or DM me. The cool thing about hypnotherapy is that it is very very effective over a very short period of time. With psychotherapy people typically have many 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 sessions whereas with hypnotherapy you can get incredible results in like 4 to 6 sessions. Can which I just is ask great. quickly, sorry, what mm. how how does psychotherapy and hypnotherapy differ? So psychotherapy is a bit of an umbrella term and there's loads of different techniques within that but that right. is talking therapy, essentially. Okay, right, yeah. And with hypnotherapy, we do do a lot of the talking stuff and the CBT stuff as well. I'm training as a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist but there's also the the hypnosis element. Mm. So I will be offering straight hypnotherapy sessions to begin with. Um, and then we'll see how it goes. I, I see myself incorporating it with coaching so that it becomes a bit of a package where people still work with me over a three month basis, but we do both coaching and hypnotherapy. Actually, I just thought a cool way to, um, to explain hypnotherapy, which might be more accessible for people is, hypnotic like with people's self talk when you are repeatedly saying horrid things to yourself over and over again you're essentially hypnotizing yourself mm. you're hypnotizing yourself to believe i'm not good enough i look fat in that dress i'm boring And so often the beginning of hypnotherapy, the process is to work with mindfulness and meditation to help you detach from those thoughts. Mindfulness is kind of de-hypnosis. It's like creating some distance between you and the thoughts that you're having. And once you've cleared those negative thoughts and the critical thoughts, you then go in with hypnosis to start building them back up in a more positive and empowering and supportive way. Mm. So yeah, it's massively like affirmation work then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You are also queen of.
0: The
2: the training I've done is very very anxiety based which I think is really exciting. So it's not just going in and saying I am enough, I am confident. There's some of that, but there's also some very logical rational structures for breaking down anxious thoughts and creating better ways of thinking. Mm.
0: I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see
2: where it goes. Thanks, my love. I'm so excited as well. You're going to be one of my guinea pigs when I finish. Oh, yes, please. Take take (laughs) me up. Sign me up. Serena, what
0: is one piece of advice that you would give someone who is kind of, this is speaking to them, but they're a little bit scared, a little bit anxious about even the thought of kind of stepping in and working with a coach, working with in-group therapy?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think I would, this is such an unhelpful thing to say, do it but the reason I say do it is because I really believe that successful people take action quickly successful people listen to their intuition um, because if you follow your intuition and and do what your heart tells you to do what your gut tells you to do before your mind has a chance to come in and talk you out of it then you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna progress much quicker the problem I see again and again is that people keep living in the same way they've always been living and yet they're expecting a different result. Unless you change your approach, you're not going to get a different result. And every time I launch a group, I have people who message me and they say, Hey, I really want to do your group, or I really want to be coached by you, but I'm having some doubts. And I'm like, Okay. And we talk through it. And by the end of the call, they're like, Yes, wicked. I'm in. I want it. And I always say to them, Okay, cool. So just watch. Watch how your self-talk goes over the next couple of hours, because right now your intuition is saying, yes, this is for me. I want it. But over the next couple of hours, your mind is going to come in and go, oh, maybe it's not going to work for you. No, maybe this isn't right. Maybe the timing's not right. Maybe you can't afford it. And ultimately that voice, that self-doubt is why we need to work together. That's the voice that I'm going to help you overcome. But ironically, that's often the voice that stops you from doing the thing you want to do. Yeah. If we keep listening to that self-doubt, if we keep listening to the inner critic, you're not going to get where you want to go. So my advice would be to face your fear, to do the thing you want to do, even though it scares you. Because otherwise you're going to stay in that safe, little average, happy, I'm sure, like great, little mediocre, average, happy, safe bubble. Mm. But if you really want to grow you 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 have to make your desire to change bigger than your fear. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're gonna get what you've always got. Mm. Don't let your self-doubt be the thing that stops you from working on your self-doubt. Great advice. Thanks. Honey. May I also just say as well, this wasn't um
0: planned. Uh you said your self-doubt comes in and it says, oh, I can't afford that or I can't, I, how could I spend that money on myself? And I know you speak about this quite a lot and I think it is so important and, um, kind of, we do have to shift our way of thinking about this, about like being able to afford the, the working on ourself stuff mm-hmm. over spending 50 pound on ASOS every week, you know, can you, can you speak a, bit, a little bit for that?
2: Absolutely. I think it's really important that we're prioritizing ourselves. That's that's my main message, really. Prioritizing yourself, prioritizing your happiness. And so many of us will go out for dinner and spend £100. We'll go on a night out and spend £200. We'll go on Zara and spend £100 and think nothing of it those things are all short lived. Sure. They make you feel really good in the moment. You have a nice time, but ultimately any money that's invested in yourself, in your happiness is going to be the best investment you can make because you're going to see the benefits of that for years to come. Yes. Getting a blow dry or a manicure makes you feel great for the evening, but investing money in confidence in overcoming anxiety is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. And It's frustrating to watch because so many people say, I can't afford it. And it's like, okay, so look at what you're spending on. Do you need to go to the cinema four times this month? No, probably not. Mm. And that's a decision that people have to come to themselves. I can't force them to do that, of course, but it's important to voice it so that people become aware of it. Yeah, And I always offer payment plans and things because I really need this work to be accessible to people. I need people to know that there is a way if you want to do something badly enough you'll find a way
1: yeah yeah it's
0: so funny isn't it because I, I feel like i'm not on the kind of the shoes on the other foot now that i could happily spend as much money on um a, an evening of meditation or a yoga class or something like that and i'll browse an asos and be like oh god i can't possibly spend that much money on <laughs> close i'm just going to cancel that close that tab yeah let's move on i'll go to another yoga class <laughs> let's talk about your healthy habit please darling and you gave me 3 please may you share with our listeners your healthy habits really love
2: um so again i was greedy and gave you 3 we could package them all up neatly and call it morning routine although i don't really believe in morning routines but mine were firstly I love, especially in the winter, to get up a little bit extra early, make a cup of tea, get back into bed and read my book in bed for half an hour. Mm. And in the summer, I do it in the garden. But for me, that is just the most indulgent, loveliest way to start the day. Um, What are you reading at the moment? Burnout by Emily Nagoski. I just finished it last night and it's the best book I've ever read. Wow actually that and come as you are that's by Emily and Amelia they're twins and then come as you are is by Emily Nagoski about female sexuality and well actually sexuality in general but fucking hell Emily Nagoski is a goddess like she is so clever and so cool and you know when people say like if you could have anyone living or dead for a dinner party who would you have Emily Nagoski
0: (sighs) great please my borrow absolutely
2: absolutely Thank you. Like it is covered in highlighter and pen and underlinings. She is just so wise. So I highly recommend both of those to anybody listening. And I will spend the next four months trying to get Emily Nagoski onto the onto Kitchen Club. <laughs>
1: Please do. <laughs> She's
2: quite famous and quite a big deal. So it's probably not going to happen, but so I'm going to do my best. Come on. <laughs> Start manifesting. Um, my other two were very simple gratitude meditation, gratitude practice, which I really believe is the simplest and most effective way to shift your perspective, change how you see life, get you feeling good every morning. I literally just write down three things every day that I'm grateful for. And some days it's really big, lovely things like holidays and weddings. And other days it's having a roof over my head and having 10 toes and having a lovely cup of coffee in the morning. But I, I I, don't know what I would do without my gratitude practice. I love it. And it. I highly recommend it. Think everyone should do it. And thirdly, is shaking meditation, which I started doing with my clients, and now whenever I run a group, we get to the end, and I'm like, "Okay, hey, does everyone want to go?" Or like, "Do you want a little bit of movement," and they're like, "Shaking meditation." <gasps> they love it, where you just put on a funky tune and you stand with your feet about hip distance apart, and you just start bouncing through your knees a little bit, and you kind of let the music take you and, and shake it all out. And if you're feeling mellow, it can be very subtle. If you're feeling wild and you've got a lot of emotion to release, it can be really manic. There's no set way for how it needs to look. But the important thing is that it's not dancing. There's no need for it to look cool or sexy. You're shaking. You're literally shaking off anything that you're holding on to that's no longer serving you. And it just feels amazing, mm-hmm. but it looks ridiculous. <laughs> the best things in life do.
0: So good. I love a shaking meditation and something, um, maybe not an intense version, but something I'd try and weave in my, into my classes as well, because it's just such a lovely way to step into yourself and hmm. feel your energy, see what you need, so what you don't.
2: Completely. And if you read Burnout by Emily Nagoski, it will all make a lot more sense as well in terms of completing the cycle of emotions, completing the stress cycle. Um, we We kind of struggle with our emotions when we get stuck in stuck in them stuck halfway through them what you need to do is move through like getting to the light at the end of the tunnel and shaking movement creativity are all things that you can do to help complete that cycle and let the emotion play out whereas mm. for the the stiff upper lip brits among us we've been told to swallow down our emotions and not show them and that's not the healthiest thing that you can be doing
0: no no and i just to add on to that i often notice that in my yoga practice when i don't even if I'm kind of stressing about something or there's a lot going on in my life, but I haven't really addressed it. And when you stop and you move and whatever movement that is for you. And then at the end, you kind of do let emotion come up. And when I know that I've been pushing something aside and I'm not, I'm not noticing it properly, not giving it the attention it deserves, it'll all bubble out of me and I'll be in floods of tears, mm-hmm. which is such a great release. Such a great the one. The best.
2: Yeah. The absolute best.
0: Yeah. Wow. Serena, thank you so much for being a guest on your own podcast.
2: Thank you, my <laughs> doll. It feels very self-indulgent not to have asked you any questions back. It's quite a strange feeling. Last but at the same all... time, same time, I feel like I could have just talked about myself for hours. Oh, I'd love <laughs> but that. But I think it's it's because I love my work. I feel so passionate about it. So I think it's quite rare that people get me talking this much about it. You know, at a dinner party, someone says, what do you do for work? And I'm like, oh, I'm a coach. It's really fun. But once I get talking about it, the floodgates open and I could keep going forever. So if anybody yeah. has any questions, if anybody does want to know more, please do get in touch and I will chat your ears off for hours.
0: Yeah. When is your next? So you've got uh, private spaces opening up and then when is private your next Private spaces
2: opening up. Ignite is going to run in August thrive is going to run in october and i should hopefully be taking hypnotherapy clients from mid-august so yeah email me if you want to get on the waitlist for that the waitlist is growing already which is bloody exciting that is bloody exciting um, so it's all go it's going to be a busy second half of the year i think <laughs> but
0: a wonderful one
2: doing a, a very wonderful things. one um as we said last week would you like to bring us home I'll bring you home Um, wow and this is the season finale oh gosh yes it is so thank you so much everybody for listening to the season finale of Kitchen Club clearly we've saved the best guest till last we have (laughs) Um, and we will be back in your ears soon we thank you all for your support and your love and we hope that you're enjoying the recipes as always we couldn't do this without you so thank you for being there and being a part of our little podcasting journey yeah absolutely
0: and if you would all like the recipes from the whole of this season um you can find them on our instagram at kitchen club podcast and equally if you have enjoyed this season or past seasons or just this episode we would be absolutely thrilled if you could leave a a review share this in your stories share this with your friends your loved ones um, leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and as Serena said we will be back in your ears before you know
2: it thank you please only leave a review if it's a five starer. if not don't bother (laughs) (laughs) yeah hundy (laughs) pee we only take five star reviews darling
0: (laughs) thank you so much everyone big big love to you all
1: Love you. Bye. Thanks. Bye.